This is a Mr. Thrive Media production. I, Jonathan Boring, have interrupted this program to introduce my own podcast. It's called the Social Spice Podcast. It is a show covering the ever-growing topic of social media marketing. And just how a few simple tweaks to your digital outreach can change the entire course of your business. Let's get you cooking with fire. Again, the name of the podcast is the Social Spice Podcast. Available on your favorite podcast platform. And remember, we're here to help. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting Friday with Mr. Thrive Stars of Tomorrow. We thank you for choosing this podcast, and I want to say going into today's episode that I had on a very special guest today. I know that I say that about every guest, but we've had some really phenomenal guests in season two. We are coming towards the end half of this season, and in this episode is Matt Stoner. Matt Stoner is a gentleman who has such a crazy background of experience. And despite all of his accolades, he's an incredibly humble guy who recognizes his shortcomings, works on it every day, and gives people like me a chance. People like him are the reason why I'm here today building my company, and I'm so excited to introduce you guys to this phenomenal figure. FYI, only after we got done recording did we realize that some of the audio quality on my end of the recording was sacrificed due to a mishandled error. So I'd like to apologize, but I can reassure you right now that the content itself is phenomenal because of our amazing guest, and I'd like to think because of a little bit of the skill on my end. I'd also like to give you guys a really awesome update from the company perspective. Mr. Thrive Media has officially become affiliated with an organization called the C-Suite Organization. Aside from just the extra swoosh mark on the corner of our album art, you may also hear new recordings for all kinds of sponsorships from all different types of partners with the C-Suite Organization. They are a fantastic network and I'm so excited to introduce you guys to them. Speaking of network, On January 26th at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we are hosting our New Year's celebration, our New Year's party for networking with artists and entertainment professionals. It's going to be a blast. We have Judd Angel talking about the world of casting. We also have a closing virtual performance of stand-up comedy with Katie Novotny. We have awesome breakout rooms to go into, but I say breakout rooms, it doesn't feel like a Zoom call. It really is a party, and it's one of the best things that we do here at Mr. Thrive Media. You're going to hear me and Matt talk all about that in the interview. It's fantastic. And if you do come, don't come alone. Bring your friends. If you bring the most friends, you win free merch, baby. All you got to do is register. Email me, chads at mrthrive.com, or go to the website, mrthrive.com, to the events tab, and you will be able to register easy peasy. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. You have stumbled upon Mr. Thrive Stars of Tomorrow, where together we will discover emerging artist, actor, producer, musician, Matt Stoner. Matt Stoner, about darn time. Welcome to the podcast. How you doing, man? The Mr. Thrive himself. I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. And you know what? You're way too flattering. Like, I, I do not deserve that. But <laughs> as you know, people can't see you right now, too. You got this like glow going on right now. Your hair's looking on point. I know this is just audio, but for everybody that's listening, chances is on point this evening. Thank you so much. I'm in my maroon turtleneck. I'm staying warm and cozy. It is freaking windy outside and we got the winds of i'm calling this the winds of change i'm looking at this as a very symbolic time because 
there are so many pivotal things happening in the world right now in our very own nation, not to get too political or anything. It's undeniable. You can't say, you, you can't be in 2021 in the month of January and say that things are a hunky-dory. You just can't. It's a very weird time to be alive right now. What do you mean? What's going on? I, I think I've been under a rock. What's going on? I've, I've, I've missed clearly everything. <laughs> you know, actually for the last four years, I, I have no idea what's been going on. If you, you can can't, update me really quickly. You can't bullshit a bullshitter, okay? <laughs> You just can't do that. You just can't. Yeah, you know. Well, Matt, you are here today to talk about your experience in acting and producing Mm -hmm. and music. And we are going to do that. Before we get started, we are doing the thing. We're doing the thing where every 20 minutes we do something different in this interview. So like, I, I'm going to let Matt explain what we're doing here because this is this is totally di- – I love what we're doing here. This is Please. exciting. Matt, take it away. What are we doing every 20 minutes in this podcast? All right. So Chaz, Chaz gave me this idea earlier today. We were talking about what you know what this was going to look like. And this is the first idea that came to me like almost immediately. So I'm really glad that, uh, that he likes it. So I have not an unhealthy obsession, <laughs> but I definitely might put a little bit too much weight on fortune cookies. Um, I was telling, like, if, if I have a bad day, I go get Chinese food, I get a fortune cookie, and that guides whatever decision I'm making or makes me feel better for the day. So sitting in front of me, I have three fortune cookies from Trader Joe's, and every 20 minutes, I'm going to be opening a fortune cookie that is going to dictate what my next year is going to look like. Because 2021, of course, January, New Year, I turned 30 two days ago. Um, so it's... it's uh, gonna be interesting so this is putting this out to the universe these three fortune cookies are going to dictate what happens to my next year hell yeah well let's get started let's open up that first fortune cookie right right now let's do it i'm so excited there's a lot of pressure on this fortune cookie you hear that crack yeah i also have to eat them should i eat them now should i eat them later uh i say i say eat them now give give the audience that asmr experience Mm. 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 (laughs) well this one's very immediate Okay. All right. Focus in on the color yellow tomorrow for good luck. That is so specific on the color yellow. Yes. Uh, And just tomorrow. Just tomorrow. January 20th, inauguration day. My brother's birthday. Whoa, that's a big day for your brother. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So let's think. Yellow, inauguration day. Does that mean slow it down like traffic light? Slow down? Oh, that's a good... That's, chill out a little bit? I wasn't bit. even thinking about that. I'm just thinking of all yeah. the flowers that might be yellow. I'm thinking of the, the buses that are yellow. I'm the crazy thing, I hate the color yellow too. Like, yeah. I don't know why that had to be the fortune cookie. Not a yellow fan. I agree. I agree. There's very few uh, objects in life that can pull off the color yellow. The, the mm-hmm. few that I mentioned, like flowers and, and buses, they pull yep. off yellow. But yellow... Coldplay song, mind. yellow. Yeah. For me, it's it's... For me, when I when I hear yellow or, or or think of yellow, I'm thinking of urine. Quite frankly, it's really disgusting. But I, I it's just what I think of. Don't eat the yellow snow. Don't eat the yellow snow. Exactly. Don't do that. It's funny. One time I I wish they still sold these at Hot Topic. I also wish I could just casually walk into a Hot Topic right now. But Hot Topic used to sell something called misfortune cookies, and you could get like a whole kit where it was like twenty unfortunate cookies. So you open up a fortune cookie. It was like supposed to be like a prank gift. You open up the fortune cookie and instead of it saying something uh, like um, you will live a very prosperous life, something generic that a fortune cookie might say, uh, it would say things like, as soon as you leave the restaurant, you'll get hit by a car. 
Nice. <laughs> so you give them to your friends is what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you bring yeah. them, I think you sneak them into a Chinese restaurant while your friend isn't looking. You swap out the Chinese fortune cookie and just see what happens. Why is just this one unwrapped? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> no, it's, it's one, it's, I feel like sometimes I'm crazy too, but like I've had so many weird instances like for the last year, right before I performed uh, at, at the networking event, they were all related to music. Um, in the middle of the film that we'll talk about later that you and I met on, uh, there was one that said um, a project that you were working on will gain momentum. And momentum is the name of my agency, but also how we got Michael Bataluco, um, who's the Emmy award-winning actor that is in the film. So it's like, there's, there's little things and I definitely am probably reading into it a little bit, but you know what? Worked for me. No kidding. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, let's get started into who you are, Mr. Matt Stoner. Matt, where are you from? I am from Laguna Hills, California, just in and from Laguna Beach. Uh, we share a zip code. Uh, and an area code and aside from that not a whole lot else wow okay yeah how, how was it growing up in that area i've heard great things about laguna but i've never actually been there fantastic it's amazing yeah. laguna laguna beach is incredible i grew up sort of split between the two because i went to school and did a lot of my stuff in laguna hills the theater i grew up in is in laguna beach um so i was down there constantly all the time absolutely love the city um hate the tv show they would like shut down the coffee shop that I wanted to go to, to do homework so that they could shoot a conversation. Um, the, you know, the people that were in it, some of them are okay. My brother's like best friends with Lauren Conrad's brother. They were fraternity brothers in college and roommates and all that. So like the people are good, but the drama that's associated with reality television is just absurd. That just sounds absurd and sounds like something I think you just don't want to be a part of anyway. I mean, yeah. that, and the first thing that comes to mind when you're talking about shutting down a restaurant to do a show, I'm thinking of Jerry Seinfeld's comedians in cars drinking coffee because they go to restaurants all the time. Mm -hmm. And those are just everyday people there. Yeah. By the way, from a producer standpoint, that's a freaking nightmare because mm -hmm. of all the liability in the area. They have to just count on good faith that nothing bad's going to happen at that restaurant and then get everyone in that restaurant to sign a release. Well, and there's also like the problems to uh, like, first of all, it, it's so scripted that they were in this coffee shop shooting like a 30 second conversation for something like two or three hours with all the setups they were doing. But then other things, you know, Laguna, for anyone that knows, there are three ways to go into Laguna. There's North PCH, there's South PCH, and there's Laguna Canyon Road. During summer, it you cannot get out of the city in less than 30 to 45 minutes. One of the cast members at some point got into a car accident they ended up shutting down the canyon so that they could shoot what was happening with the dramatics of the car accident and then narrowed down a two-lane road into a one-lane road so they could kind of let people through. So for a small town, at the time, it didn't have as many people. It was still kind of touristy, but it was just a nightmare. You cannot hear this action that I'm doing, but I'm rolling my eyes so hard right now. <laughs> that's just frustrating. It's, it's like, oh, yeah. that's so annoying. Oh, yeah. No, it was great. It was great. Because some um, producers looking at this like, oh my God, someone's in misery. This is production quality. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, it always makes it fun when you're going on vacation too. People are like, where are you from? I was like, Orange County. They're like, oh my God, the OC? Where? Laguna Beach? Oh, the real LB. Do you know LC? Um, technically, yes. But okay. But, but other than the show and the yeah. occasional interruption, it was a pretty good place to grow up with your family. Fantastic. Okay. Oh, yeah. Loved great. it. Grew up surfing. I was a total beach bum, long hair and all. Uh, I it was it. great. Oh, I yeah. 
you guys can't see it now. My hair is blue right now. So, you know, I always have some sort of crazy hair, something, something going on. Well, you'll see it if you look at the thumbnail of this episode, because that we're is true. probably using one of your headshots, one of your beautiful, gorgeous, luxurious, scrumptious, blue haired headshots. It's, it's a pretty look, I got to say. Oh, um, thank you. But where did where did your you know, you're an emerging artist, but you've been an emerging artist for quite some time. When did that really begin to start? 23 years ago. Which is horrifying ago. for me to say. Um, <laughs> no, so I I, I, I I credit my parents for taking me to theater when I was seven years old. There's a theater right at the end of Laguna Beach, uh, right in the entrance of Laguna Beach at the end of the canyon called the Laguna Playhouse. Um, and they have an absolutely incredible youth theater program. So my parents would take me to these shows. They generally want you to be like six, seven, so you're not disruptive. And I was hooked instantaneously. I, you know, they had these talkbacks afterwards and I was always sit there and wave my hand up in the air and go, Hey, when can I do this? Um, and they told me I had to wait until I was 10 and I was adamant and they made an exception. And so I started at nine. Um, so at nine, I went into the conservatory program at the Laguna Playhouse and was there for the next nine years until I was 18 and aged out. It was incredible. You know, I, I had some amazing teachers, Joe Lauderdale, Kelly Herman, Donna and Gleema, who were instrumental to shaping me, not just to the artist that I am today, but the person that I am today. Um, you know, if, if you talked about my childhood, so much of it happened at that theater. So much of why I am the person that I am, the way that I think, the way that I do are because of my experiences there. So, you know, I, I can't speak highly enough of that program. Do you have a life lesson that resonated with you the most from that experience, from those mentors that you just described? Two. Uh, if you're not 10 minutes early, you're 10 minutes late, which is my favorite. And take risks and don't be afraid to fail. Failure is good. It sucks sometimes. It's hard. But if you learn from it, failure is probably one of the biggest motivators ever. I, I very much love that. I've always been fairly good with timing, um, except I learned a different version of that saying about when I was in college, I was in a fraternity. I was in AE Pi, the Jewish frat. And in the Jewish frat, um, when we were pledges, they were telling us if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, you're forgotten. Ooh, that's what they would tell us. And that, oh, that like went to my core, even though I pretty much already had that lesson ingrained in me. I was, again, I've always been very good at timing, but the, the forgotten thing scared me to my core for some reason. I think that's just one oh, of my I deep, love that. Yeah. That's one of my deep rooted fears. And that, I mean, <laughs> That's why I create a podcast, right? Because I'm insecure. <laughs> anyway. Um... <laughs> That's what we do. We have to create something, especially in these ridiculous times. Don't forget me. I'm scared and lonely. But anyway. This will live on forever. <laughs> you can't take this away from us. But I, yeah. I love the concept of embracing failure. You know, the, the concept of, of failing better. Go fail better. Go out of your way to take those risks and to learn something. Something I was reading earlier today was that failure is a concept of the mind. It's a construct of, of human beings that yeah. we created that. And that really to take a risk and to not achieve the goal that you wanted to is actually a success because at least you learn something, at least you gain something that you got to go out of your way to, you know, truly, you know, learn something and grow. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, I don't know. I, I'm not going to pull it out, but I'm sitting literally next to a book called Fail More um, by oh, there you go. Bill, Bill Woodich. Um, okay. He's actually a regular of mine when I was working at a restaurant in Laguna Beach, and he is a motivational speaker who speaks to industry business people, telling them to take risks and fail and do 
big things, even if there's a chance that it won't go anywhere because, you know, you got to fail to sort of make it big. Well, then what are you doing here? Let's get him on the podcast. Oh, yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> let, me, let me just give him a call and uh, I'll see what I can do. What was one of the, the big life changing moments for you that pertains to that lesson? I'm almost in the middle of one because we're in the process of distributing the film and have been for about two years. And we continue to hit roadblocks. One of the major ones that we've hit was COVID. And it's taught me a lot about how when you think you have a plan and you need to pivot, it's not that I failed in any way or that I've given up. It's that I have been forced to pivot so many times because initial ideas ended up not going the way that we wanted them to. Um, so it's still, it's, it's a work in progress. It's a learning curve for sure, but I'm learning a lot. And, and we will talk more about that film that he is alluding to very soon in this interview. So stay tuned for that because it's a really great interview. But otherwise, I want to say that, Matt, I've partaken in that film and I've seen you grow over the years. And that's why you're on this podcast, is because you've taken risks. You've mm-hmm. taken these entrepreneurial leaps in hopes that it hits something to hit something, maybe not the exact result that you want to, but it's always so admirable. And I've watched you grow over the years and it's such a rewarding process to see you grow and become this amazing creative that you are. Thank you. Um, But speaking of creative, I want to know more about this creative pursuit. You talked about how you started doing theater and you were mentored by these individuals all the Mm -hmm. way from the age of elementary school. What was happening after that? What what was going on? What happened in your pursuit? Uh, So it's, you know, I, I found a love of art in general. You know, the theater was always a huge part of me. By the time I graduated from high school, I was in two West Coast premieres and a world premiere. We did the West Coast premiere of Disney's High School Musical on stage. I was Zeke. Um, <laughs> and and in musical theater, I found a love for music as well. So going into middle school, like 13, 14, I was, of course, that emo crooner that thought that he uh, had fallen in love at 13 and had to share those feelings with everybody. So I recorded an album called Staring at the Sky. So I, actually, I don't I don't have a copy of it. I don't know. Like there there are people. So I I would I would print copies on our old gateway computer and then I would like print up little things and put them in these jewel CD cases and then sell them to my friends for five bucks at recess. So I guarantee there are copies of these things somewhere. I don't have one. <laughs> I looked and looked. And I can't find them. There were songs uploaded on the Internet. MySpace music tanked. Um, which is I'm like I'm working for the guy that was the CTO of MySpace Music now too. I should probably just ask him to recover it for me. Uh, <laughs> but it's yeah, it, it was a whole thing. Um, yeah, and then I, I went bet. to high school, and so I was running track and acting, and I was trying to get my Eagle Scout award. So like I didn't sleep for probably another four years. So <laughs> anyone that knows me knows that I can't not be doing fifty things at the same time, and that started when I was I don't know ten. Well, why, why is that? Why do you need to be doing so many things at once? Hence, I, I mean, the title of this podcast right now has three different types of art forms in one <laughs> identity for you, but that three is not accounting for the 47 other things that you do in your life. Oh. So, so what is it? What is it? Why is it that you have to have so many different octopus tentacles working at different points of the room? You know, why, why is that? I love it. I love it so much. I feel like I have lofty goals. Um, I made a decision when I was really young that I wanted to leave a positive impact in this world, even if that meant impacting one person, because that one person could do someone else who could do someone else who could do someone else. And then that changed to like, I just want to change the world. And the best way I know how is by making art. So if I have 
you know, I'm producing seven different projects right now. Um, I also have a podcast right now that I do with a couple of Stephen Anthony Lawrence from uh, Disney channels, even Stevens, he was beans, the I love bacon kid. Uh, and then Max Rice, we're doing a political podcast, which I still count as art. Um, you know, I, I want to change the world and I don't know how to do that other than by making art. So that's what I do. I think you already have, you were talking about how, even if it's just one person, um, and we'll get to how you did this, but you you have changed my life in some ways. And thank you. Many many, in many ways, because of the experience that I gained from working with you and for you, and and seeing your growth has inspired what Mister Thrive Media is today. You also alluded a little bit earlier. I meant to kind of do a shameless plug here on my end as well. You mentioned our network. Matt Stoner here is an executive board member on our network. The network, what network am I talking about? I'm talking about the Mr. Thrive Network. And if you go on Facebook and you join the Mr. Thrive Network, literally, as I'm saying it, the Mr. Thrive Network, you guys can join a network of artists and entertainment professionals from across the world to network with each other and collaborate and to grow don't let the confines of your geography limit you. The yeah, biggest right. advantage to being in a pandemic during 2020 slash 2021 is that we have this thing called technology and we are using it on a regular basis to host these events, even virtual performances that help inspire these artists. On top of that, we also have a store, the Mr. Thrive store, where 10% of our proceeds that you purchase, 10% of our proceeds go to commissioning local artists from across the world. We want to, you know, further commission these local projects and further expand what it means to empower emerging artists. So be sure to check it out. Matt is an executive board member and he already has had such a positive impact. A lot of the decisions that we have made for the Mr. Thrive Network has had that positive impact on those people in the network to further create those collaborations and to empower so Matt, you're already doing a great job. Thank really you. I appreciate that. I got to say, I have, I have a lot of the stuff from the store. I'm now up to three different things. I have a, a beanie that is so warm and it has a little bob on top, which is the coolest thing. <laughs> the, the mask is actually probably one of the coolest masks that I own. And I own, since we all are in the midst of a pandemic, we have so many masks and it looks so cool. Dude, Matt, thanks so much. And Matt helped design it, by the way. We we jumped on an eboard meeting to figure out, okay, we got to figure out this merge situation because Shopify is not as straightforward as I'd like. So they all jumped on with my grandpa technology figuring out self. And they helped me figure out Shopify and design some of the some of the some of the concepts. And I really would not have been able to do any of this by myself without Matt and the team, my executive board team. Shout out to uh, Izzy Salant. Christopher Malkus and Carmen Vincent. But that is 20 minutes right there. I think it's Whoa. time for a new fortune cookie. Another Let's go. fortune cookie. All right, we got, we got to make sure it gets the sound. Oh, so satisfying. So the satisfying. saddest thing is when you open some of the Trader Joe's ones don't have fortunes. So I like I had to check and make sure that they had pieces of paper inside before. That's such a ripoff. Oh, okay. Your surrounding friends will take good care of you. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That is now so that is so relevant to the e-board. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Maybe maybe I, these are your fortunes. Maybe no, 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 I'm no, no, the no, fortune no. teller. No, no, no. That's the thing. My network is your network. Do you realize how that works? Sure. And, and, and how many friends do you have in my network? A ton. A ton. A ton. 
Those are all people that can help you on a regular basis. That's anybody who's listening to this right now. Um, but enough about me and my personal shameless plugs <laughs> and the amazing fortunes that come with <laughs> Matt Stone. Now it's my turn for plugs. It's now it's Matt's turn for plugs because that's what we're here for. Exactly. Uh, one of the last things you mentioned, you talked about how you were doing a lot of sports as well. You were, uh, you mentioned that you ran track. Yeah. So I was, uh, my, my father was an all American track runner. So I of course had to follow in his footsteps. So I was an all American track and cross country runner. Um, so I didn't, I didn't even know I was good at running until I started doing it. And I like ran my first race and almost won it. And they're like, huh, what? I'm like, oh. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was, I actually, I still hold school records at this point. I hold the, uh, the half mile record ran a, a minute and 53 seconds because I hate myself. Um, and then I'm minute on a relay. And 53 seconds for a half mile. I used to run a four minute mile. That's yeah. So I was like, I was racing, I was racing against the guy, um, who holds the American record in the half marathon marathon. Yeah. Um, Ryan Hall. So like we were racing against each other and he was running three miles in under 14 minutes. That's absurd. That's a 440 mile for 440 or less mile for a 5k. Um, so that was a thing. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I was on the Nike national team when I was 15. Uh, and then I was supposed to go back when I was 16 or 17. I can't remember what it was. Um, and they forgot to tell me I made the team. So I like, I was, I literally, I, I was that 15 year old that was like, I'm going to Google myself. So I Googled myself. I think it was 16 actually, because 15 was the year that I was running for them. And um, it said that I had like a do not start at the nationals race. So I called them and I was like, um, what happened? Turns out they forgot to tell me that I was on the nationals team. And so instead they gave me a ticket to go ride bikes with Lance Armstrong. Uh, where, I think it's a where, fair trade. What, I think it's state? a fair trade. You know, it definitely was. What state was that? It was so it was in Portland, Oregon. So I ran in California, but nice, the Nationals race was in Portland, Oregon at Portland Meadows. So it's a, a horse racing track. Um, and it's in the middle of like early winter. So December, like November, December. Actually, I think it's like December because it's, I think, in between school semesters. And it's a one mile track. So you would do three miles in this track that they built in the inside of this horse racing track. And because it's Oregon and winter and rainy and kind of snowy, you're wearing all long sleeve stuff. And you have one inch spikes on your shoes, because if you don't have spikes on your shoes, you're going to die. Um, and if you fall with the spikes, you're going to die. So it was, you know, run for your life. Fun. <laughs> and that's my running story. And then, oh. and then I had to decide whether or not I was going to pursue running. So when, when I got to my senior year, I kind of had to make the decision, hey, am I going to pursue running or am I going to pursue film or theater, you know, the, the performative side of things. So um, at the time, I was talking to Brown, Yale, USC, UCLA, and Oregon. Oregon is probably one of the best running schools ever. Um, and I also had an opportunity to go to Chapman. And my uh, Kelly Herman, who was one of my teachers at Playhouse's husband, Dave Cost, founded the Screen Acting degree with a gentleman named John Bennett's. And I chose Chapman. So went there, got my BFA in screen acting, which if anybody wants to do performance but also wants to be set up to do literally anything in film that is the best degree ever because it's half theater classes like okay great you're gonna go act you're gonna shake yourself out and like cry and, and have emotions but the other half is like i took producing from the guy that produced waiting i took a class called how i got my movie made from michael phillips who was the producer of taxi driver and then 
ended up going having dinner with guys like Drake Dormus, Ava DuVernay came. So they did these dinners before it was like a 200 person class. Nobody ever signed up. So like, honestly, I would get stoned and then go to these dinners and like sit there and just eat delicious food with like Ava DuVernay and Mariam Keshavars, who did a movie called Circumstance, which was my favorite film at Sundance in 2011. Wow. Um, crazy. Like Chapman has the craziest connections. We also have John Eastman who just incited a riot next to Rudy Giuliani. So, you know, uh, yeah, fun, fun. <laughs> wow. That's pretty crazy that you got to break with those, those individuals. That's yeah. I mean, it's so rewarding. And by the way, how old are you at this point? I am 30 years old, 30 years and two days. No, 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 no. Sorry. Not, not oh, oh, in college. Yeah. In college. At, at oh, that I was story. 20, 20. So you're 20 years old. I, I can tell you right now, I myself hadn't even accomplished that much at that point. What do you attest to filling your life so much with, with so much like that? What do you attest to that? Taking the risk. Taking um, the risk. What, what happened was the thing was like, you know, things like the dinners, like they gave us these opportunities. You were never supposed to be able to go to more than one. But because nobody signed up, I would just always sign up and they would need to fill seats. Like, it's ridiculous. You have a chance to have Ava DuVernay is now probably the most powerful female director in Hollywood. And this was 10 years ago. She was doing these smaller films. Sheldon Candace, same thing, just did a film called Love. And, and we got to sit down and talk to them about their processes and how they got their movies made. Um, and, you know, later you'll find out about how I got my movie made. And it's like, I'm, I'm looking back on my experiences and sort of the conversations that I've had and been able to draw from it's, it's, but it's, it all happened because I took that risk. I decided, Hey, I'm going to go to film school instead of you know, going to Yale. Do I regret it sometimes, but it set me up to be where I am today. And if I hadn't taken those risks, like I wouldn't have met Chaz. So here I am. And we're going to talk about that soon because it pretty much in your timeline, we're, we are nearing on when he meets me. So yeah, just you wait, just you wait. But so, I mean, you're kicking ass in college. You're doing all this. Wait, what year did you graduate? 2013. 2013. What, what was, what was like the biggest takeaway from college that you had graduating? Honestly, the relationships were so much more important to me than what I learned. Um, but I still don't talk to a ton of people from college. I have the close knit group. Having Chapman on your resume is an incredible thing. But while I was there, I wish that I had spent more time networking with the people that are out there doing the crazy things they are today. Like Dear White People with Justin Simeon. He's doing incredible things. The Duffer Brothers with Stranger Things. They're from Chapman. Joe Sill, probably one of the greatest VFX artists I've ever seen. Um, doing amazing things. Nico Aguilar is this spectacular DP whose work is to die for. His mentor is Chivo or was Chivo at one point and it is just, th there are such amazing people and I know of them and I interact with them and I talk to them. Ryan Huffman does like, if, if any major music video that you see right now is produced by Ryan Huffman, who I um, knew at Chapman and we've, you know, interacted a little bit since then. But I, I wish that I had had closer relationships with these people because I know that they are all doing amazing things. And I know that I've done some pretty cool things too, but I do think that there is something to be said for leaving Chapman with such an incredible network that you can kind of just do anything you want. It's pretty crazy. And it just goes to show you that, that a lot of these, a lot of these simple things in life, like, like just simple socializing can be something mm -hmm. as simple as eating a lunch with a friend, casual Wednesday. It ends up being a seed for the future without you even knowing it. I, I can't tell yeah. you how many of my friends from San Francisco State that I'm 
in connection with just because I had one class with them. And it comes to the point where, and again, this is why, not to mention the shameless blog or anything, but why I have such an emphasis on networking and why it's so important, especially, especially for artists and entertainment professionals, we are the hardest hit demographic during this pandemic. And the most important. And the most important, because, you know, if I'm going to quote Robin Williams from sec- for a second from Dead Poet Society, you know, people live for art. Look around you and, and, and try to find something that doesn't have art in it. You know, even the decision of the, you know, right now I'm looking at this speaker to my left. That's my audio system. I'm looking at this edifier, edifier, I don't actually know how to pronounce it. This edifier speaker to my left. And I'm looking at, it's pretty much a box. It's pretty much an inanimate object of a box. It has a foam exterior, a wooden uh, frame. And I'm looking at simple things like the curvature. I'm looking at simple things like where they created, how they created the joints. And that is art right there. I'm looking at my wall. I'm seeing that it's painted. There's paint involved. That's art. I'm looking at Matt's background right now. The the way they chose the the design of the blinds behind him, that is art. There's art everywhere around us and on us. And Mm -hmm. it lives within us too. We we have, no matter what you say, if someone says, I'm not the creative type, I don't believe you. To quote James Franco, have you ever been to Subway? Have you ever had a sandwich? (laughs) They're sandwich artists. That's art. That's art. Exactly. There's a more explicit part that comes immediately after that. But if you want to, just go ahead and look up that quote from, uh, I think this is the end. Oh, I haven't seen this is the end. But what my my rant went off into a little bit of a tangent. But to to, to bring it back, what what I'm saying is that the everyday interaction is networking, whether you like it or not. So why not do it in an organized space? Why not take the time that you have, the opportunities you have to get to know your fellow students, uh, colleagues that you've never spoken with? Take risks like what Matt said, you know, reach out to people that you've never reached out to before on LinkedIn, or let's say you're in a Zoom class right now, just personally DM someone right now and say, hey, I'd love to connect. That's how it starts. That's how it starts. It's really that simple. I'd love to connect. Those four words right there, that that can be it, it can it can change so much don't well, underestimate Chaz, Chaz does an amazing job too you know the, the networking events that you put on are spectacular because you have the opportunity to work with professionals both in your field and from other fields it's it's a group of artists that are diverse in the type of content that they create um, and honestly I mean I've, I've had a chance the opportunity to perform twice at these events and they've sort of reinvigorated me to the art during COVID the hardest thing that I've experienced so far is the fact that there are moments where I just feel stagnant um, you know I, I built a recording studio during COVID that I have used once maybe because I just I don't have the motivation and I just feel stuck because there's no outlet Chaz gave me that outlet twice I saw that he was doing a podcast. He motivated me to say yes when somebody came to me asking if I could produce their podcast. Um, and then I ended up hosting it instead. But no, there's there are so many different opportunities. And and you know, to, to his point too, it's never a problem to just reach out to people. I've I've been working for a tech startup on occasion and and we ended up getting a conversation going with ICM with guys like Hannibal Burris because I was just like, man, I'm just going to reach out to his agent, see what happens. We got his agent on the phone with our CEO and we now have this incredible relationship and we're, and we're you know, putting out all this incredible content with these amazing creators because we just decided, hey, 
we're just going to reach out and see what happens. And we took a risk and it just, they said, yes. Hell yeah. So thank you for that kind compliment. I really appreciate it, Matt. Let me tell you how I've, how you've changed my life. Okay. And this is where we're going to finally talk about your film. So in college, I met a gentleman by the name of Jason Zavaleta. Jason Zavaleta, uh, we explored the potential. I I explored the potential of joining the cinema fraternity. And instead, I joined a different fraternity. As mentioned before, I joined the Jew frat, AE Pi. Um, But I still maintained uh, a friendship. And there was a lot to to respect about Jason Zavaleta along the way. Uh, And I saw what he was doing in film. I always found him to be a very impressive director. What happened on my end was 2017 happens. I graduate college. Yay. I traveled Europe for two months. Yay. And, and, and then reality hit because at that moment I realized, oh, I have real life to take care of. I'm living with my parents. I've lived for four years on my own. I did two months traveling the world on my own. And now I'm back to being infantilized, living with my parents, not feeling good about myself because I'm unemployed and not doing anything in my life. And I'm wondering, what the hell did I go to film school for? I'm having this awful anxiety that led to depression. I was going through some really bad stuff and I was applying for jobs left and right. I even almost got scammed. Someone who had made a very realistic website to promote their business here's what happened with that just a side story and i'm only telling this because i don't want anyone else to fall for this i just heard a story recently about someone who fell for this not from the same company but some something different okay what happened with me was this company was preying on naive desperate individuals like myself and it wasn't a company it was probably an individual scammer but anyway i applied on craigslist and right away i received an email back saying congratulations all right we're going to get started and my first thought was wait they didn't interview me that's weird they go on to tell me that um, they all they need is my address and some other information. And then what they're going to do is they're going to send me a check. And that check is going to be the start of my salary working for them, for this company. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. This, this must be how the film industry works. It's very much on your feet. I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, and I, I, fi- I put my address into it. That's all I did. That's all, the only personal information I gave them, luckily. I'm very thankful for that. Um, and then once I, once I, once I gave them, uh, my, my personal, just my, just my address at the time, um, as as soon as I I sent it, I I knew something was wrong. I I just felt it. I I wish I had listened to that instinct earlier, but I just didn't. And, um, I told my parents about it. They said to me, "Did, did you send your social security number? No, I did not. Okay, good. So I get the, I get, we get the, we get the, the, the check in the mail. And I look at it, I shined a flashlight through the, through the envelope to see what was in it on the check. The check had $50,000 on it addressed to me. And, and that's such a temptation, right? In the email, it says, be sure to take out your cut and then deposit the remainder into several charities of your choice. That's what it said. So if this has ever happened to you, here is the, the, the back-end logistical scam. Like, like this, is the, this is the technical aspect of this scam and how it works, okay? When scammers do this to you, they're hoping that you do just that. And if you do deposit it into charities, it's even worse because here's what's going to happen. Uh, you deposit that money in, right? For one week, you have a nice, juicy $50,000 check in your account, right? Everything's looking all fine and dandy. And then out of nowhere you're going to be at 
negative $50,000 in your account. So that's actually $100,000 that you would have lost because of how the banking system works. They have like a fraud insurance that these scammers can use. Fraud insurance is good to use for your benefit, but what happens is you actually gain two times more if you send someone that and then you bounce that check back. So I would have been in debt $50,000 for that. How crazy is that? So I'm so glad we, we shredded out that. Well, sorry, we didn't shred it up. We first took it to the bank. And once the bank told us that they actually did not need the hard copy, that they would take care of this on their end, that there was nothing for on my end to worry about. We shredded up the check and I reported that, that account on Craigslist and I never heard from it again, but that was just absolutely crazy. But anyway, that's how desperate it was. I keep on tangenting. I'm so sorry about that. Anyway, this is your interview. I keep on still on the show. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Um, I was desperate. I reached out to Jason Zavaleta, right? I reached out to Jason Zavaleta saying, hey, you're, in a, you're clearly way more established. You're clearly way more versed in the film world. I need help. Let's connect. So I said, okay, let's meet me at, meet me at this WeWork and, and, and I'll, I'll see what I can do, right? And so um, I didn't even know what a WeWork was, but I drove over down to La Brea in Hollywood and um, I get, I get to uh, like the, like the fifth floor or whatever it was. And Jason sits with me in the lobby and I don't even know where I'm at. I don't even know what all these clear glass offices are around me. I'm totally not in my element here, but I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm, I'm asking Jason for advice. And he's giving me some decent answers, but I'm not really following because I don't think that, like, it's just, it's, it's still is just the film industry is not a clear cut industry. It's not like a, a clear ladder where you can apply for a job, get the job and get promoted all the way up. It's not like that. So I'm having a really tough time following. And then eventually Jason stops uh, midway through a sentence and just shouts, stoner. And I'm like, who? Is there a stoner in here? What's going on? Does he not like 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 stoners? What's going on? And I turn yes. around. <laughs> I turn around, and there is Matt Stoner, and I, I I was like, and then Jason Jason goes up and introduces me to Matt and says, Hey hey Matt, this is your new assistant, and I'm like, What? <laughs> and then that's how I jumped onto the film. I wrote this for you, which is what Matt has been talking about for a, quite a quite some time now. This film, you can now, if you're in America, you can now watch this film on Amazon Prime. Uh, just look up the film title. I wrote this for you. It's produced by by Matt Stoner, and it was such a fantastic experience to work on. What was your experience in producing that project? It was crazy. I'd, I'd never produced anything before. So, you know, just, just to rewind it back to the beginning, um, I haven't talked about Brennan enough in this interview. First of all, Brennan Kilcook, I love you. Um, yeah, he's been my best friend since I'm 13 years old. Uh, one of the most talented artists that I have ever had the pleasure of working with ever wrote a script. Um, he had gone through a breakup. It was his catharsis, um, to, to sort of get onto paper a lot of what he had been feeling. And I read the script and it was hysterical. You know, uh, for those of you that have seen the movie, if I say dance number, um, you'll, you'll understand I get to the dance number and I just lose my shit. It was the funniest thing that I had ever heard red um sitting in sugarfish like caddy corner to technicolor just off of vine and uh, and sunset boulevard and i went we have to make this movie like i i do not care what it takes we have to make this movie um at the time i had also met jason zavaleta through brennan who who directed the film uh and stefania pierucci who is our other co-producer on the film and we started talking hey how are we going to do this 
So we all decided that we were going to cash out our life savings and take $10,000 and make this movie. And this is where everybody that's ever made a feature film laughs a lot because that's impossible. It's not going to happen. At the same time, I was working on the rooftop at the Waldorf Astoria in Beverly Hills. And one morning I met a nice gentleman who was up there. We struck up a conversation about film and movies. He'd never worked in, uh, in the film industry, but he did work for Sony in the real estate division. And he had just moved to LA, had retired, was sort of tying some things up and told me that he needed an assistant. So I you know, ended up going to him and saying, hey, I will work as your assistant for free for the next six months, but I want you to finance my movie. It's going to cost us $25,000. Again, if you've ever made a movie, you laugh. Start working for him somewhere in the range of four to six weeks later, he had written us a check for $300,000. We raised another 200 and we made the movie. So hold on one second. How, how <laughs> did you, what, what happened on your end that inspired him to drop that kind of dough in your production? I honestly don't know. Uh, to, this, to this day, he just said that he believed in us. He believed in the team. You know, I would bring Brennan. He was living uh, at a building in like Century City called 10,000 Santa Monica. Since then, it's been riddled with scandal. I'm, I'm very thankful that he got out. Um, but he, he just believed in us. He believed in the project. He saw a couple of scrappy young people. He was looking for something to do with his time and his purpose. And, and he chose us. Um, which was pretty incredible. You know, it was amazing. So we shot in November of 2017, um, which was a spectacular experience. We had an amazing cast, an amazing crew, Chaz. And uh, by the time it was all said and done, by the end of just production, we had had 287 people work on our little film. I actually didn't even realize how big that cast and crew is. Yeah, that includes extras. But I mean, there was like, there was a day that we shut down the Metro station at Wilshire and Western. And like our, our permit was for, like bless Antonio Ayala, um, who is, was was our associate producer, managed to you know cut costs to an incredible degree. But also, all of our permits were for still photography. So every time we had a permit, like people would say, "Hey, do you have your permit?" We'd hold it up and it said "Film LA," and people like really didn't care. But you know, had somebody actually decided that they were going to look into the intricacies of these permits, we would have been so screwed. Um, and there were so many. I could honestly probably do an hour long podcast just on the stories from the film, like jumped out of a moving car to get a clown who was walking out of a metro station, <laughs> um, pulled extras off the street because, you know, lost a hard drive. It just corrupted, corrupted a hard drive. Like 14 days into the shoot, we lost three, four days worth of footage and had to reshoot. I actually um, didn't even know that story about the the, pull, like the hard drive and the pulling mm-hmm. the, the randos uh, from the street. That's- yeah, the randos was at Wilshire and Western. The hard drive was when we were shooting at Hollywood Piano. We had we had an uh, assistant editor hold a hard drive hostage for like four months. He was trying to ransom the hard drive. We, yeah, we ended up like needing to get spotted some cash one day. So one of, I, I won't tell you who, but one of the actors in the movie um, busted out $10,000 in cash and, and gave it to us. And we got through our day and spent the next few months paying him off. Holy shit. Bless his heart. That is insane. Yeah. That's insane. We, we had some, we had some crazy times, but we've had an incredible run. We've, we've been to uh, probably two dozen film festivals so far in terms of different screenings. Uh, we are at 13 awards and 19 nominations so far. Um, we have four more nominations, I believe this week at the world independent cinema awards. Congratulations. So we've, done, we've done pretty great. It's been pretty spectacular. So in regards to the stress levels, how many years has it taken off of your life? 
Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> Between that and the drugs, I couldn't tell you. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was a hell of a thing. I don't know. I don't feel like I look like I'm 30, but I feel like I'm 50. So, you know, no, it's good. I just yeah. wake up some mornings and I'm like, my entire body hurts and this has never happened before. And I, I don't know why. Well, I remember that I'm 30. <laughs> well, it is time for the next fortune cookie, my friend. Primed and ready. Let's crack that open and see Here what we you go. Got. The last one of the night. Okay. The current year will bring you much happiness. There we go. There it is. There we go. I love that. So one for tomorrow, one for this year, and one kind of like general ambiguation about friendship. And now I, I eat the cookie. I think that's beautiful. Mmm, that has some good crunch to it. Mm-hmm. Now, if I wasn't speaking over it, this would be some amazing ASMR. So that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned something kind of kind of vulnerable just now. Um, I did. You, you were talking about a little bit about the drugs. Yes. Can we can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. For those of you that know me, I'm pretty open about this. For those of you that don't, there was a period of somewhere between three and a half, four years. Um, and, and drugs are rampant in Hollywood, so nobody really ends up surprised about this. But I had a pretty severe cocaine addiction. Um, in, in Hollywood, it's rampant. It's very easy to get. You go into any bar, there's somebody in the bathroom. There's somebody that you text a phone number and they drive around and... Yeah, so that started um, 2000, probably somewhere in 2014. I honestly couldn't tell you when it started. Um, I can tell you when it ended, which is August 13th, 2018, um, which is the day that uh, I'll call it my rock bottom. I like to say I, I hit rock bottom and then I busted out a uh, jackhammer. I like that. No, it's true. It's true. You know, I, I made some pretty terrible mistakes. I mean, there was, there was a day that I wasn't on set for the film because I was too high, you know? It was, it was hard. It was hard to hide that. It was hard to struggle with that. You know, I, I credit Brennan with saving my life uh, and a girl I was seeing at the time named April. And, you know, of course, uh, I, I spent so much time lying about, uh, about the usage and, and different things in the relationship that that fizzled out, which is when I got sober. Um, but, you know, Brennan also spent so much time trying to help me. Um, and I just, I wasn't ready to help myself. And it took losing you know, what I thought was everything. I had just moved into an apartment with this girl and, you know, I, I was very happy, but I was also miserable. I mean, I came to the place where it was like, I, I thought that the only way out was to have my own life. Um, and that's, that's where my head was at. And it turns out my childhood, like my childhood physician around the corner from my house is one of the foremost drug specialists in Orange County. So I ended up on, you know, a cocktail to get me uh, all, all detoxed and another one to get me sober. And here I am. And I'm so thankful you're here. I really I am. am too. I am too. And it hasn't been perfect. You know, it's, it's one of those things too. It's, it's a difficult thing to admit and to talk about, but there was a slip earlier this year. And that's, you know, I actually found an interesting statistic, something like, I want to say it was 60% of people with substance abuse issues relapsed sometimes during COVID. And this happened, like I moved back to LA March 13th. I slipped up about a month, I'd say after it. But this time I immediately got help. I went to Brennan. He helped me out. Um, I moved back home, especially to get through COVID. So I wasn't alone. I had just lost a job as well. It was sort of just like a lot of stuff going on. Um, and and life has gotten exponentially better since then. It's remarkable. There's this great YouTube channel called Kurzgestatt, which is a, in German, it means in a nutshell. 
and they did a really mm-hmm. eye-opening video. Have you seen this video? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. It's a video on addiction. Now, unfortunately, this video is no longer released by them because they introduced some concepts that weren't widely supported, but introduced ideas that were only hypotheticals. And for that mm-hmm. reason, they took it down. Yet it was one of their most popular episodes because it introduced a really interesting idea regarding addiction. But um, this part is completely true and has backing that helps with the understanding of addiction. So we look at addiction as this thing where it's it's strictly you induce a chemical in you, have a euphoria, you stop doing it, you then get withdrawals, you go back so that way you can feel normal. But there's a lot more to that equation, at least from the understanding of this video, what it was describing was the fact that addiction has a great deal to do with loneliness and how you feel on the inside and that there Mm -hmm. is a mental health aspect that has a connection to anxiety and depression. The experiment that they pulled on this, there was was a, a rat experiment, a literal rat experiment, and then there was a real life human experiment as well. But there, the rat experiment was that there was um, there was a there was a doctor, there was a scientist who had a very empty cage, and um, in this cage there were two water receptacles that the rats could choose to drink from. One that was laced with heroin, the other one that was laced with normal water. Naturally, the rats tried both, and they became addicted to the heroin laced water, and then they overdosed and died. But one thing the scientist noticed is that this cage is just that, it's just a cage. It's just a a really lonely, sad metal box. So then what happened was the scientist decided to create what he called Rat Park. And Rat Park had a completely different approach where it had long tubes and it had these uh, wheels that rats could spin on and it had had plenty of rats in it for other rats to come and, and mate with and have a great life. And so these rats actually lived a pretty fun life where they were fed pretty regularly and had the same options of the laced water and the regular water. And the, none of the rats, some of the rats did try the laced water, but they stuck with the normal water because it, they could live life just as well. Mm-hmm. So that was the rat experiment, but the real life experiment that pertains to that was the Vietnam War. And the Vietnam War, you know, a lot of heroin in the world comes from Vietnam. Vietnam was a major exporter of heroin. And so when the soldiers in Vietnam would get their hands on it, very naturally, they would induce themselves with it. Because if you're going to die, I mean, you might as well feel as good as you possibly can. You might as well drug yourself. And so a lot of those soldiers who are in the jungle feeling lonely, thinking that they're going to die any minute, they're naturally going to drug themselves. They're naturally going to get addicted to this thing. However, when it was time to come back, you know, there were so many soldiers from the Vietnam War that were welcomed back horribly. They were spat on because people didn't understand that a lot of them didn't have choices that they were drafted. I I still don't fully understand how we could have treated our very own soldiers this way. But when they were welcomed back to the U.S., they were treated horribly. And so many of these veterans were left to be alone. And so now that they went from one lonely jungle where they were being killed to a lonely concrete jungle in the city, where they have to pretty much just exist and try to be out of people's ways because no one wants to look at them. And if they do look at them, they're going to treat them horribly. They would naturally get addicted to the same drug or a new drug and just Mm -hmm. live their life until they OD'd. However, there were a select few 
of Vietnam War veterans that were able to come back to families and were able to push through the troubles that came with PTSD and their addiction, and they were clean. Yeah, I resonate with that. And and it, it also, it's, a lot of it was self-isolation. And, you know, I've, I've never been diagnosed, but I think a lot of it was the fact that, like, I do have this very sporadic mind, but I, I lost all of my creativity. So it's really difficult for me to sit here and say, it, it, this goes back to what you asked earlier. Like, why am I doing 50 things at the same time? One of it is I'm making up for lost time. I feel like I spent so much time or wasted so much time that I do feel compelled to do this. But also, it's just how my brain works. And there was a period of time where I was using to just shut my brain up. It was constant, but the problem it was it was constant negatively. I had already been hooked. My mental health had taken a turn. I had a lot of self-loathing. I had a lot of self-deprecating humor, which was realistically a cry for help. And whereas now my brain operates at a million miles a minute trying to come up with my next creative endeavor or how can I help this person or you know what, what am I doing to better the world? Instead, it was a million miles a minute of you're a worthless POS, I hate you. And the only way I would ever shut that up is, is with the substance. So it took, I mean, it took a lot of therapy. It took a lot of self-reflection. It took a lot of, like I, I went and I got trained in transcendental meditation, you know, different things that do help me. And it is, it is a struggle day to day. Um, but the alternative is just, it's so much worse. So I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm happy I got out the way that I did. I'm happy and I'm very grateful and I'm very blessed that I have the support system that I have. And it could have been so much worse. I mean, if I hadn't stopped when I did, I, I would have been dead in three months. I'm so thankful you're here to tell the story. And it just I'm shows too. you Thank the you. amount of strength that you have from within. It's really beautiful and it's very powerful and it's very inspiring. And I really love and appreciate you for the impact that you've had on my life. What is... Would you say that there's a common theme between the 50 things that you describe that you do at once? Is there a common theme between the, of the things that you put your hand in? Creativity. So, I mean, I'm producing seven different either television shows or feature films. I'm producing a podcast called The Rice and Bean Show. It's on YouTube. We release every week. It's a bipartisan political podcast, again, with Stephen Anthony Lawrence and Max Rice. Um, and our goal is, especially during this divided time, to... Uh, create a conversation that happens between both sides where you can disagree with another person, but you have to come forward armed with facts. And when you get to the end of the conversation, you can still be amicable with these people. And we bring on guests now that are, you know, pretty incredible um, because of that, you know, and, and then I'm working for the tech startup. It's called Koji. And what they've done is they've managed to create the backend platform that allows developers to put remixable templates on their site so that artists can mimic Cameo or mimic Patreon or OnlyFans or Shopify. We released another one that we're going after places like Gumroads. You can sell art, you can sell experiences. And you know, when I started working there, I started up making memes and, and now I'm helping create an entire series of templates that I think are going to allow creators to monetize independently. I'm telling people to put their short films on there, charge a dollar. You know, no, you're never going to make money on your short film by putting it on YouTube. But I guarantee if you have a short film and you spread it around to people, people would be saying, they would say, Hey, I'll, I'll pay a dollar to watch this and be entertained for the next few minutes. Cause what's a dollar. Um, it's still definitely a social experiment right now. It's a lot of fun, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting. I think, 
the different things that you involve yourself in, they have value to begin with, but it's very clear that they have an added value with you in it. Thank you. And you should be really proud of yourself. I, I know I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm, I'm really moved. I'm really Thank moved you, because, it, you know, it, it tells me that that you are doing what a lot of artists are doing and the ones that aren't doing this need to be doing this, which is to be entrepreneurial, to take those risks, to get busy, to be around and, and spend time with people that are your support system. You can't do this alone. It is impossible to live life alone. Human beings are too social of an animal to, to do that. Um, we're no better than rats, so to speak. So find your rat park, find your rat park that allows you to be inspired. And that's really, by the way, that's, I, I totally acknowledge the fact that that's so fucking hard during this quarantine. It is so easy to feel alone and isolated, let alone sad. It's understandable. It's okay. And, but you got to remember that we're not the first generation to be in a pandemic pandemics before us. You know, if you wanted to get a message across, you had to send them a letter and you had to wait at least a week mm -hmm. to get a letter back. You would get a letter back in a week if you were lucky. I saw a meme the other day. I said, can you imagine this same pandemic happening in 2003 where you're sitting there playing brick on your Nokia phone, <laughs> you know, snaking around your computer, your, your phone screen? Well, no, and that's another thing. Yeah, I think for creation too, you know, I'm not knocking anybody that has had a hard time motivating themselves during the pandemic. It is an unprecedented experience. It is okay to feel lost and it is okay to be struggling. It's okay if you're not doing anything because taking care of your mental health is paramount. But some of the greatest works in history were created during a pandemic. Look at William Shakespeare. Whether you believe it's one person or a group of people, some of the greatest works of all time were created during these periods of time. I almost reached over for another book. I have like, this is, I have a... a 10 volume set of Shakespeare's complete works that I got when I was at Chapman at a, a, a trusty book sale from 1903. And it's my prized possessions. And it's sitting displayed right next to me right now, because it reminds me every single day that no matter what happens and no matter what situation we're put in, we have the opportunity to turn that around and do something great. You rock, Matt. I love you, I, dude. I, I think you. you rock and anyone going through struggles right now needs to hear that. Yeah. And you're not alone. You're not alone. I have not been perfect in, in my struggles with addiction, especially during COVID. You know, I slipped. I'm here. I'm alive to tell the story. I surrounded myself with people that cared. Brennan, Brennan in particular, he saved my life. He saved my life more times than I can count. I have one person that has stood by consistently and allowed me to fail, but also is right there when I stand back up again. And that is an absolutely invaluable thing for me. Just amazing. And, and Brennan is a remarkable actor. He's a fantastic guy. And Brennan, if you're listening to this, I want you to DM me on Instagram. And I want you to say, I listen to the podcast. I want in on the podcast because I'm inviting you right now to the podcast as well. You are Fun. an inspiring guy yourself. I'd love to learn more about you and connect with you. It'd be great to get to know you, man. I'll, 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 I'll put in a good word. I'll put in a good word. He actually, he messaged me during this. So I'll, I'll get off of it and be like, first of all, I am using the Yeti mic you bought me for my birthday. <laughs> and because of that, you need to go on Chaz's podcast. I'll, lo exactly. I'll loan you the mic. I'll loan you the mic. Perfect. Perfect. Sounds good. What does 2020 have for you in store? I know that 2020, uh, there are a few months that felt kind of normal. And then in March, which by the way, is my birthday. That's my birthday month. 
um, the whole entire world had different plans. So what is, what's your year been looking like this year? This, this last year, like, so the last year in general has been really unique. Of course, moving back home, um, getting back into acting, dyeing my hair blue. That was kind of just like, a, hey, I worked in five-star restaurants while pursuing my art career for a really long time. I've never had the chance. So, you know, fuck it, I'm going to do it. Um, so I did that. And then uh, I was just pinned on a pilot. Um, I was unfortunately released a couple of days ago, but it's the closest I've gotten to anything ever um, that I haven't booked. I guess technically that is how it works, isn't it? I it's it's the longest, it's the farthest I've gotten in such a long time, and it's just so refreshing to know that there are still people making art out there and creating. Um, from here going into the future, I have a few projects that we're putting together. I have a reality show uh, that I'm putting together with Jay Spades from the Geek Insider Instagram page, um, which is based in the reality of the world of competitive esports. Um, he's also helping me as a consulting producer on a feature film we're producing called Neighborhood Watch, uh, which is about a group of young vigilante superheroes just out of high school who discovered that the KKK has taken residence in their town. So they band together to become vigilante superheroes and chase them out. Um, and then James also has an incredible show that we're putting together called The Power of Touch, um, which which is just spectacular. Um, so I have, I have a lot on my plate. Um, yeah, I'm also, I'm, I'm, I'm helping produce the film right now that Brennan is starring in shooting this summer in Italy with Hermes Cavanini um, and also producing two documentaries as well, one of them based on uh, the emergence of the Italian Western and the other one set in uh, the global crisis that is global. Doing 50 things at <laughs> <once>. <laughs> And I'm on this podcast and I'm doing this other <laughs> podcast. I'm on the executive board. Yeah, no, it, it never stops, but I love it. I love it so much. I'm never bored. I always have something going on. I, ne I never know if any of these things are going to take off, um, but I'm trying. Matt, you're doing more than just trying, you're doing, and you're an inspiring you. individual. If someone listening to this right now wanted to get in contact with you, what is the best way to reach out? Uh, all of my social handles are it's Matt Stoner. Um, I have like five different email addresses. You can email me mattstoneractor at Gmail or Foxstone Entertainment also at Gmail. Yeah, hit me up on any of my socials. I, I love, one of the reasons that I do the networking events with Chaz is because I, I've had this imposter syndrome sometimes where I realize that I have done an absurd amount of things in my life. Like I didn't even get to this part, like teaching network or working like uh, workshops in Saudi Arabia last year for the Saudi Royal family, like crazy things. But sometimes I still feel like I haven't done anything with my life. But if I can ever impart any sort of wisdom, if I can ever help you, if I can help troubleshoot an idea, I'm always here because I am just here to help other people create because so many people have been there for me that it's the very least that I can do. Just inspiring. And that attitude is what the Mr. Thrive Network is about. And it's more than just what the Mr. Thrive Network is about. It's what this podcast is about. That's why I'm always asking people, what is the best way to reach out? Because I'm always hoping that someone on my podcast is going to benefit from a listener reaching out and saying, hey, I love what you're doing. You're clearly an expert or you got something going on in this area let's get let's 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 be friends let's connect all that information will be displayed in the show notes of this episode and finally matt the question i ask everybody yep on this podcast okay what will you be famous for is creating too broad of an answer let's see what you got it's it's hard um i want to be john favreau because he's the most unassuming 
sort of person. But if you look at his credit list, he directed and wrote Elf. He created The Mandalorian. He is this spectacular actor. He directs films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and is an executive producer. The only thing that he doesn't do that I know of that I would like to do is music. So if John Favreau had a little bit of music sprinkled in, boom, goals. I love it. And John Favreau is an inspiring person. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Stoner, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been really great to have you. Hey, thank you for allowing me the space to share everything that I did. I really appreciate that. If you've listened this far, it must mean you're a thriver. I want to thank you so much for listening. We want to stay connected with you. So please, in order to do that, we need you to follow every single one of our social media platforms. Can you do that? Follow us at Mr. Thrive Media, one word, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All the same. Also, we want to keep you completely informed as to all the services that we provide. You can do that by going onto our website, www.mrthrive.com. That is mrthrive.com. Have a great day, and thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.